the podcasters of the night. What beautiful music they make. Welcome to our, yeah, I know, I, I shouldn't have done that. Welcome to our uh, Interjections podcast. It's the uh, Undiscovered Decade, as we like to call it, where we look back at the movies of the 1990s. If you couldn't tell from my terrible intro, this is a movie about Dracula. Where that's a famous line from the original. And I did more of a Bella Lugosi impression. Uh, it was remade a couple times, uh, including in 1992, November 6th, to be specific, uh, which I believe is the day we're recording. Actually, was it, six? it might be the 13th. Either way, we'll call today, it the 6th. <laughs> yeah, let's just lie. No one will look Special occasion. to figure <laughs> out when it actually came out. We're, we're around when it actually came out. Doesn't matter. Uh, but Francis Ford Coppola? 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 I've been saying Coppola for 30 years, and then I hear in interviews people say Coppola. So I'm going to continue saying it wrong. Uh, anyway, Frank took upon himself to make this film his own uh, and made it a grand production, took an a stance of having an homage to early cinema, which upon my second watch, I appreciate a little bit more, but a little bit. when I first saw it, I wasn't a huge fan. We'll get into that later, but I think generally everyone knows the story of Dracula, right? It's, there's a, there's a mysterious guy out in Transylvania, which is, you know, the, the unsultry, uh, eastern europe and so the british are a little wary of him he wants to buy some land in london so they send out this solicitor jonathan harker to make sure everything's on the up and up and seems it's fine and then he comes to london and people start dying and in particular one of his uh girlfriend's friends uh gets a little weird and dies and then maybe comes back to life and she has three boyfriends that are really upset about this. And then when they figure out that she's the undead, they go and kill the guy who did it to her. So, uh, it's kind of, he's just, he's just, he's just one alive dude in an (laughs) undead situation. Yeah. So, you know, in this version uh, though, in this incarnation, they go back to the more so than the uh, book, they go back to the original source material, which was Vlad the Impaler. That's the point in which I sort of digressed on what I liked about it. And that's what I realized this time. The fact that they added in the actual quote historical stuff, I had thought was a detriment to it. Mm. I'm mm. fine with it now. I mean, I understand what he was trying to do so I can respect it more. But at the time I just read the book. I saw this in maybe 05, 06, and I had just read the book like a year or two earlier. And so I was real hard-nosed about making the thing good because I sort of wanted to make a version, but I was like, I should watch the Coppola version first. I was bitter then. That was 16 years ago. I've learned my uh, mood can be a detractory of uh, my opinion. So... I the things I appreciated about this time were the actual filmmaking techniques like Jimmy pointed out right away the train that brings Harker to Transylvania is a miniature 
Yeah, there's a, it, there was a lot of miniatures. They have yeah. it riding oh, yeah. above him in the cabin as he's going, so it looks like it's out of the 1910s when they were trying all sorts of techniques just because they could try anything. Um, the the fades where like the moon is inside the eye of a, a flower, um, Dracula's eyes looking over the horizon. There's the carriage as it arrives at the the castle is coming around a chasm, so it looks like it's almost paper mache as he looks over the side. Um, my favorite thing this time around, which I don't remember at all, the driver of the carriage that brings him to Dracula's castle reaches a abnormally long arm out to tell him you're here and it must have been used with some sort of crane or they they manufactured something that yeah looks otherworldly and i i just thought that was a nice touch the the attention to detail is something i didn't notice the first time yeah and so i think that sort of thing it, it lends itself to be a little creepy um and then on the other hand with things like uh eco shioka's Academy Award-winning costume design and some of the set design. And then particularly the acting, it gets a little campy, which can be a hallmark of early cinema, could just be chalked up to bad acting by some critics that lambasted Keanu Reeves' performance as Harker or Winona Ryder's performance as his girlfriend. I I never had any problem with Winona Ryder. I could see... Keanu Reeves is a little wooden miscast. I had always thought he was spot on for what I thought was bad acting, straight up from everybody. See, I think but Jonathan's I, supposed to be kind of clueless, though, and I feel like that's more what he was right going for. But yeah, so I think the actors are all on a little bit of a different page from each other. Like some of the side actors are a little uh, sincere about their performances where Gary Oldman is just singing to the rafters, which I think is what Coppola wanted. I don't think you wanted low key. Right. Uh, no. Bella Lugosi you had kind of like creepy air and you want to kind of operatic. Right. So I get it. Um, I think as a 19 year old, I just thought it was the wrong choice, but I can see it fits in with Winona Ryder's performance very well. So it's weird. I think this is one of the uh, the few um, renditions of Dracula where I actually felt the romantic connection between the two of them. Some hmm. other people might think it looks kind of clinical, but uh, I think in other versions, it's more about him seducing uh, Mina. Or well, uh, I mean, me me watching it like the the. There, the the romantic aspect of, of it seems more like of a dr- more like a drug addiction than it does like love, love. Yeah. Like like he yeah. he like Dracula inserts himself into some lady's life, and then like he just kind of turns on the dark the dark magic, and he's like, yeah, no, you think you're getting a good deal out of this, but like you're gonna be my slave. It never you felt possible without that um, that wraparound story with him at the beginning. Because now that she, I mean, this is a cliche we've seen several times where she looks exactly like his mistress mm-hmm. in past life. But I felt like that was uh, that was crucial to kind of sanctify the uh, the connection between the two of them. So that I think I realized this time is what I didn't like the most about it the first time around. 
it's it's very Ankh and Amun from the mummy so i get it you say it's cliche that's the biggest example i can think of from our childhood at least yeah um it isn't in the novel at all there's no reference to him as vlad the impaler there's even in historical records no uh notes about bram stoker taking from vlad the impaler he took from a lot of transylvanian folklore and so people assume because he was from the area that might be vlad but it's also possibly based on this serial killer countess (coughs) elizabeth bathory so there's no proof that it's from this so coppola sort of takes up and the the screenwriter uh what was it hart james hart um sort of took their own license but it's also sort of universally understood that it's probably vlad so I don't begrudge them to do that. It's yeah. just that I didn't like them deciding that it was like a faded meant to be situation for Mina. So I think I was annoyed at yeah. that. Yeah, when you, when you brought that up, when we saw that, like I remember telling you like that, that's kind of like, I feel like that's like an 80s and 90s, like uh, sci-fi fantasy horror, like trope more so than a cliche. Cause like, I, I remember from when I was a kid, a lot of like a, uh, uh, especially like sci-fi fantasy uh, um, TV shows, uh, there would be like, and I really remember seeing this happen a lot on Xena, uh, Warrior Princess. Uh, it would like, they would have a few episodes here there where it would take place like modern times, well, back then the 90s. Uh, and like, uh, like all the uh, actors are playing like modern people, blah, blah, blah. But then it turns out they're the, reincarnations of like Xena and all the other characters from the past and then like uh they, their memories are reawoken and then they have to deal with whatever blah 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 um situation for the uh, episode yeah I think it's a fine trope I just think I didn't like it because it hadn't been in the novel uh trying to take it from a step back I I appreciate it more I I don't mind it as much and it gives them like you said, a bookend for this, and it makes it separate itself from the other versions. So to be honest, that that's a good idea to try and do it that way, to, to make it its own thing. And I think what I took offense with was that it became labeled Bram Stoker's Dracula. So I was like, well, if they're going to put his name on it, it better be exactly right. And it's the same thing as a, a year or two later, they do Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I understand they take some elements away from that because they don't even go into the Arctic in that version, which is half the novel. No, they do. Frankenstein. Do they? I haven't it's, seen it's, it. So it's, it's bookended. Book yeah. Okay. Because I, I read something about them taking a lot of liberties with that one in particular. They do. At least they it. kept that wrap around. Okay. Um, but that will probably annoy me as well <laughs> so i don't know i just like both of those novels and think they if they're going to put their names on it to make them the definitive versions they should do that as to the nose right. as they can especially if there are dozens of versions if you're yeah. going to do your own thing might as well just say frankenstein or dracula and make it coppola's dracula you know right own it yourself and then i'll appreciate you more but I digress. I think I have to own up to my own uh, uh, distaste and then come around to what Corey was saying. I don't, I don't think I love this movie, but I think I understand why he does. 
Mm-hmm. So I'll chalk it up to the filmmaking techniques for sure. There's some of the best that I've seen in, you know, special effects, especially from the time period. It's like yeah. the nineties. Oh yeah. yeah. No, the special effects way, way like back in the early. 90s. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. They were like consulting magicians and stuff for actual, as I said, yeah. the battle some scene of the levitation the effects, the battle yeah. scene at the beginning, which is all silhouette with like um, shadow, uh, shadow puppets and everything looked amazing. I, I did really enjoy the shadow effects mm-hmm. that happened with any of this because it was just like it's subtle, but like if you're looking and you know the whole Dracula thing, like all of his shadows and all of his reflections move separately from the sentient Gary Oldman. Yeah. yeah. That became the oh. coolest part for me. Yeah. You you know, uh just to go with like uh how you said like some of some of the uh things in the movies were like a little uh campy and even some of the effects were a little see came off a little bit like that. Uh, I think um, a better way uh, or maybe uh, another way to look at it is like they're fun because, because like uh, well they're, they're fun to watch especially like so you're going to see a horror movie but yeah. then like if you if you like horror movies and the history of horror movies like you look at the special effects it's fun to watch right that's how I looked at it this time yeah because you think they, they were a little not stale but a little too serious in the original Lugosi version and then a lot of them are low budget later on like the 70s uh Christopher Lee stuff and then they take their own liberties and make up their own stories they're not following the book anymore anyway but they you know are going for gore more or sexualization and stuff you know so a little solid yeah solid that's a good way to put it um had you ever seen this before Jeff no I had never seen oh, this wow. one. Okay, so how did you so, feel coming into it knowing nothing? And I mean, did you ever it definitely it? felt like a Francis Ford Coppola gig. Oh. Um, you know, with the... Because it, it was... I appreciated the historical nod to Blood of the Impaler in the beginning and then just how he sort of like became this. I mean, there was a little fuzzy in the middle there, but... um was way more visceral than I was expecting it to be. Uh, it was not, I mean, it was good. I was just, I was not expecting, but also not surprised by the amount of weird vampire orgies happening in the middle of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Actually in the novel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. No, th- that was the thing. Cause I hadn't, I read the novel in like eighth grade and mm-hmm. I, remember very little of it um but from what i could remember i'm like oh yeah that did that did happen didn't it so i felt like it was fairly accurate um i know that we kind of dispute on that but the but again the filmmaking techniques and the fact that it was like it was a historical horror movie was how it it played like it was um it was less high fantasy and more like pretending this guy existed and this is how i don't know i'm trying i'm trying to phrase it properly trying to say i've been trying to process it since i watched it at 
two o'clock this morning. Uh, (laughs) Uh, You know, trying to make it more historical. The thing I like actually this time around, which wasn't in the book, is that when he meets Mina on the street of London, they go to see a movie because it's just this new thing to go do. And you're standing in a barn watching a, a, a projection on, you know, Muslim of some sort. Mm-hmm. So I think in a way, this is sort of like Coppola's version of what Scorsese later did with Hugo, mm-hmm. an homage to early cinema and the discovery of what film itself can be. And so you take someone that's very old and transpose him with something that's burgeoning and is he's literally meta inside a film commenting on the birth of film. Uh, right. I can appreciate that now. So I think that's what Coppola was trying to do. Showcase the new and the old with a love of old technique. Yeah. And so if you take that scene as the hallmark of the whole episode, it makes sense why he did it the way he did. Yeah. Like the shadow play was very much Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no, I, I agree with with all of that. I also had um, not really minded this as much, but not really loved all the looks they gave to Gary Oldman, which, by the way, perfect casting for when he's in the earlier scenes. You know, he's an old man. Uh-huh. Pause for a pause. Um <clears throat> canceled right there thank you Corey. Corey just grimaced uh anyway uh his look with the you know the slash top hat and long hair has become its own iconic look as opposed to like the slick back black jet black hair of Bela Lugosi because you you look at stuff like the 70s version with um the dude from Gigi and you know the Christopher Lee movies they're all takes on Lugosi's Dracula, but now you take animes like uh, uh, Vampire Hunter D, I think might have a Dracula or Castlevania. Castlevania. They look like Gary Oldman's version. Helsing. Helsing. That's the one I was thinking. Not not Vampire Hunter. Victorian. Vampire Hunter D, like they they got their own version of the, uh, you know, uh, just the heroic vampire type. What I was looking into yeah. research, they mentioned Vampire Hunter D actually takes from Stoker's original inspiration, possibly. There was a uh, lesbian vampire novel that had come out a year earlier called... Hello. I'm trying to think of the name off the top of my head. It's like Malina or Malika or something. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's, it's a novel that was popular around the same time, and it takes the same kind of story, but with a woman vampire. And so Vampire Hunter D has a little bit of an adaptation of that original one from this other author. So there's all sorts of, you know, feeding each other to have homages to things. So I think if you look at the movie like that, you'll love it. I think if you look at it like Corey has, just a good, natural, uh, inspired take, I think you can appreciate this as well. So I'll take back my uh, disagreement with you. Oh, I just yeah? don't know if you'll appreciate that. It I sounds like the same phrase you're showering upon it. Well, I just don't know if you're going to feel the same way about the lost world when we get to it, because I think that's what oh, Spielberg's I know I'm trying to do. <laughs> Spielberg's trying to take the, the original dinosaur movies from that same time period. And it's, it's inspired by that in the same well, yeah, way. Cause there's inspired movie by this. Called the Guys, we, we need some sort of redemptive arc for the people listening at home for 
That's, yeah. that's what's happening within all of these episodes. I just think I'm more. Yeah. We're slowly changing each other's minds. Uh, appreciate something that Corey likes, then Corey's going to appreciate something I like. I try. Yeah. I try. See, we like to we like to look for the good and the bad over yeah. here. And some of us the, do. <laughs> and Corey just looks for the bad and the good most of the time. <laughs> da, 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 da. It's okay. Oh. And um, lost world fans here. But. I will. I will say though, uh, regarding the the steampunk look, Victorian sunglasses have always thrown me because I'm like, it's a period movie. Everything looks beautiful, and then they're wearing fucking shades, and I'm like, no, I'm a Comic Con. This is not. <laughs> it just, and I know that they existed. It just, I my my brain can't wrap around the timeline of sunglasses. <laughs> so it's like it's like. Sunglasses don't exist before the 1980s. That's exactly what it is. I'm like, because you know, Ray Ban really came out just perfect. And they don't appear until like in popular culture until like the 50s, in my mind. Tom Cruise invented sunglasses just for Top Gun. Exactly. There's the uh, there's the uh, sunglass era and the pre sunglass era. Yeah. Right. What did people do when they looked at the sun? They They just went blind. (laughs) They went like like this. They, they all had those... over Godford. That's why there were two world wars. Hey. <laughs> Couldn't see anybody. I'm going to settle this one for once and for all. Hang on. Are you looking up when sunglasses <laughs> were invented? When were sunglasses invented? Leonardo da I mean, technically speaking. <laughs> wait a minute. If you if you take it to a... a wait a minute. Eskimo Uh-oh. sunglasses, like hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the, yeah, with, the, with, the, uh, with the, the rock steady. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah uh wow okay first prescription shades coming out in europe in 1752 i have been horribly misled my entire life i apologize well at least dracula my was god. alive at that time yeah right. he was ahead of the, the curve yeah by 300 <laughs> years yeah he was probably um, the first person to own sunglasses yeah probably and that's now that's now my my head that's cannon. your canon yeah. he was yes. a trend <laughs> <laughs> Well, look at his outfits. Yeah. Uh, I will say all those costumes are a lot of fun. Versace, okay. I can see why it won an Oscar. Every... Not, not only is it flamboyant, it's, you know, inventive. Stuff you wouldn't expect. Well, on top yeah. of the costume design, we got to talk about the makeup design. Mm-hmm. Like when he uh, <clears throat> my favorite scene in terms of the makeup is, actually I have two, is when he's a hellhound out in the, uh, the garden. Uh, raping Lucy. Yeah, yeah, that makeup looks amazing. Um, and then when he's the uh, the giant bat, mm-hmm. when confronts him in the room, that's my favorite. Yeah, uh, I, I should have looked into who actually did the makeup, but it feels very, um, it feels like very Rob Botine, like, uh, like Rick Baker esque. Yeah, I always put down our costumes, never the makeup. I should look into that. And you got all these different, um, f- like even towards the end when he's a uh, spoiler alert, when Mina stabs him. I think died. ever it's been 125 years. I think I was gonna say, there's there's different phases of the makeup that uh, that all look amazing. I think mm-hmm. even the old age makeup doesn't look too cakey, which would be the case for a lot of movies. Around. Was that old age makeup? I thought they just actually. Gave Gary Oldman someone's blood, and that's how oh, no, they, they de-aged oh. him. 
Oh, you like, like, they, they went to the future and shot some scenes with them. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. You'll like this because I didn't look this up, obviously, like I just mentioned, but Greg Canham was the leader of the team that won an Oscar for makeup. So it won costumes and makeup at the Oscars. Uh, he also did Mrs. Doubtfire, The Mask, uh, Titanic, and Hook. So, and Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Hannibal. Wow. So they, they're a pretty good team, just like uh, Ishioka. Yeah, so, makes sense nice. that they would. Yeah, as a, I know. Uh, I know one of the big criticisms about the movie, and I don't know how you guys <laughs> about it, is that it skimps on the horror aspects. But when he's that giant bat, at least when I was a kid, it used to scare the hell out of me. That's the reason I brought up that arm from the coach driver. It <clears throat> creeped me out quite a bit yeah. because I glanced away for a second and then I glanced back up and that arm's coming at Keanu and it gave me a. You're little just start. like whoa. Yeah. 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 No, that was it. Was pretty cool how how that like uh. Let's start it off mm-hmm. and played out, and then me hearing you react, going, "Whoa, yeah. yeah, yeah!" So it was a very. I was trying to stay awake too, so I think it woke me up a little bit. You know, in terms of side also... characters, I was I was actually more excited to see Billy Campbell in there. The returning, uh, I wish returning he had more to do. It's a shame when he dies, and, and you're just like, ah. And Tom waits. Tom waits as. Tom the Wayne Igor character. as Renfield. Yes. I actually wanted more Renfield. I've always liked that as a character in all the different adaptations of Dracula. But what inspired casting to get, uh, to get a musician to play Renfield and yeah. Tom on top of that? Because he yeah. does have a lot of that idiosyncratic, like, Christopher Walken, Jeff energy. <laughs> yeah. Carrie Ellis. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, with... Uh, Billy Campbell and Richard Grant, two returning undiscovered decade uh, players. Right. Because you know from uh, LA story, we had Grant and Rocketeer Campbell. So Richard Grant kind of plays Seward in a way that I'd never seen him portrayed before. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know more about the novel, but I don't remember him being um kind of drug addled and hot like he he's like one step away from being one of the patients there. They they hint at it. Though I think I read it as he wasn't as nuts. So okay. I think that's another thing I took a little affront with that uh, he was kind of subdued and it was more Van Helsing that they were focusing on because the, the novel is written in the form of, um, it's, it's like an, uh, is it epistolary? Epistolary. Epistolary, thank you. Like um, yeah, so it's, it's letters to Mina from Jonathan and then it cuts to some newspaper print about the Demeter arriving in London. And then for most of the rest of the novel, it's either letters of Mina's uh, trying to figure out what's going on with Lucy or D- Seward's diary entries. So he mentions Renfield and then he's like, my two friends and I are trying to marry this girl, Lucy. Uh, and he doesn't, you know, the, it, it doesn't take him as the protagonist in this film, which I had always thought was the case. I, if I were to do it, I would have Seward be the lead, but in my in my reading, I had imagined Johnny Depp, which fits with Winona, but you know, uh, it's fine, it's fine, uh, and that's why I think I didn't like his performance as much because I imagine a Johnny Depp more flamboyant, outspoken performance, and so to have him more subdued actually makes more sense. I'll admit, uh, because he's. I was telling Jimmy this last night after watching the movie. The three men that are trying to get Lucy's heart are. Uh, She's attracted to Seward, but he's kind of a whack job. Uh, Carrie Yule's Arthur Holmwood has the money. That's why she chooses him. And then Quincy Morris is the hot one, 
which, which is Billy Campbell. So she wants the, all three the Texan, of them. The gunslinger. Yeah, yeah. She wants all three of them. And Dracula is all three in one. And that's supposed to be the metaphor that Stoker and Coppola are trying to get at. So if you can get them all in one room. Also a little, um, <laughs> if you can get all the ideal parts Michael. of man to be one guy, he would be a Gary bad guy. Oldman. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I will say um, it kind of threw me at one point because I realized that young Gary Oldman looks like old Johnny Depp. Which, you know, I kind of <laughs> appreciate now. <laughs> Not back then, but. Well, yeah. I think the changing of times for some of these actors has also helped my opinion. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, uh, it's funny because, like, with uh, Gary Oldman, like him looking like young, uh, whenever I see younger Gary Oldman, I think of like uh, him in uh, The Professional as mm-hmm. that, like, uh, um, like corrupt, drug addicted uh, DEA officer. Yeah. Two years after this. Yeah. So, like, uh, whenever, I see him, whenever I see him as young, I'm like, He's up to no good. Because mm-hmm. he's not a good guy just yet. He was typecasting villains around this time. I yeah. mean, he breaks out in Sid and Nancy, so. Yeah. Not quite a good guy. No. Uh, yeah, I think, I think in hindsight, the casting in general is pretty good. Um, who else did we not mention? Sadie Frost plays Lucy. She was more of a model at the time. She's in a couple of things, but I thought of this as a Sadie you know Frost movie. We didn't talk about Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins. Oh, yeah. My God. Yeah. Coming off of Silence of the Lambs with this. Adding, he was also the narrator at the beginning. I'm, su- I'm surprised you didn't bring up Anthony Hopkins when I mentioned the anime Helsing. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, I also There's a lot mentioned to talk about. As I thought it was more of a sewer than a Van Helsing. So I thought his performance was fine both times I've seen it. But the one thing I will mention, they always harp on Keanu Reeves london accent and i was saying to jimmy he starts out uh hopkins with sort of a german accent he loses it halfway through so if they're gonna harp on anyone like none of them are really trying to maintain an accent except maybe gary oldman and even that is like he's just trying not to do a lagosi impression yeah so and then for quincy they say he's texan but he sounds like he's from oklahoma which is, I think, where great Kevin's little touches. <laughs> they have great little touches to uh, the Van Helsing character too, where he has like a couple of scars. You're like, hmm, I wonder what the backstory of those scars are. And you never. Yeah. He's eating a lot of raw meat, like when they're in the, when they're in that uh, that inn. Yeah. He's got like a whole interior life that, uh, I guess, Hopkins himself probably drew upon. Yeah. Explicitly get told. Yeah. So I think when you you saying that you thought Seward should probably be at the forefront, I'm kind of glad that he wasn't because then Hopkins has more of a um, pivotal role. I think they give that rivalry between him and Dracula more weight. I, don't no, I do think this is why Jimmy and I are friends. Because if Anthony Hopkins' performance in this didn't take off so much, they wouldn't have wanted to make the movie Van Helsing. Oh my God, him God the damn pro- you. Protagonist. Because then it would have been sewer that everyone focuses on. And then the first thing, the reason Jimmy and I met is because... We saw that stupid... That, that was such a Why? bad movie. And that's how we became friends. We yeah. saw Helsing together. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, you see, oh. that's the one thing about our friendship I don't want to remember. I love reminding him of this. 
Really, it was over the Taco Bell we all had afterwards. So uh, no, no, really, you're not trying to tell me that you thought Richard Roxborough was the Taco Bell afterwards in the parking lot talking about Beast Wars and other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beast Wars is what made us friends. We were like, "You like Beast Wars? I like Beast Wars." What do you like? Really, we're friends because I think that happened with a lot of my friends too. Really, we're friends because Suncoast Video existed. I happen to be there, I think, with Jeff, and then Jimmy walks in, and we're like. I was just looking at the Beast Wars DVD, and we it had just still been does. About if so. you feel like traveling through time, if you go to the Monmouth Mall, there's still a Sun Coast there. Yeah, and, yeah and, but they and, don't have and, movies and, in there anymore. I don't. I don't have to go very far to have the. He had that on cue. That's why we're friends. <laughs> That's why we're friends. <laughs> that was in the back pocket. What's going on? He just has all his DVDs right there. Yeah, they just happen to be right there. So yeah, I think uh, I've come around a little bit. A uh, little bit. Yeah, there's still a lot I don't love about it, but I can well, I can respect the filmmaker. Rapid films of the nineties. Mm. Mm. Legitimately, watching the movie, uh, I think first time all the way through, beginning to end, uh-huh. no stop. Um, movie was almost completely good and was ruined for me at least uh by the ending what's wrong with the ending it just was so abrupt like it was like uh i i thought like i thought like um because like there was a lot of build-up and emotional build-up uh so then like he gets stabbed they drag him out they'll bring him under the cross and then uh, like he's ready to die so she okay. like cootie gras him and then that's it over did you want and so, like so you wanted like they did in van helsing you wanted a big over the top bombastic action film. no no i just wanted a little maybe like uh maybe a little more padding between like killing off the villain and then going straight to credits like it was like well the, i think what it was, was like the timing between like as soon as he gets his head lopped off and the credits start, I was like, oh, that was it. Because it's like, Dracula's I, story. Yeah. That's why you see him as a, that's why you see him as a kid in the beginning. And yeah. then he goes to see the the way I, mean, I, like, I but like I also feel like like it, like they could have for like for the the team of guys that came together to basically avenge Lucy and then try to save uh Mina. Mina, I don't give a shit about Mina. <laughs> um, but what over hot take, hot take. What over writer though? Like, she I, could I, die. I about her. No, uh, but no, like um, I guess the way like the the way like the uh, the emotional setup for me uh, was like um, they finally like caught up to Dracula. They're getting ready to like they're gonna try to stop him, and then like one of the boys gets stabbed right in the back and then like he dies and like there's a little bit of a like a uh, like moment between him and the guys they're like oh man our bro he's dead and like i was telling tristan like uh, right after we saw that like it feels like her the dynamic between all these three suitors and uh lucy uh it was like one of those like uh reality tv shows where the suitors are trying to win the uh woman in the show and like bachelorette uh, oh bachelorette yeah and they're all competing against each other and they're like there's like that group of guys are like like 
I, I'm glad I competed against you for for the love of our life, man. You're such a good guy. I hope we stay uh, stick together like those guys. I felt like those dudes were those guys. The Bachelorette, and, 1852. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then like one of them dies. It's like, bro, no. And I kind of got a little I, like I was a little more. Um, I definitely was a little more uh, uh, like emotionally invested in that bit even though like there wasn't a whole lot of build up for it. So like uh, for me, like if they had like caught up to him, stabbed Dracula, he gets his head lopped off. And then like you cut back to the rest of the gang, just like assessing like their victory, but like they lost, they, they lost one of the boys. And that's what happens the in the novel. The war. <laughs> that's what happens in the novel. What Jimmy wanted is what that happens is... at the end of the novel. That, so oh, that's so another bad. thing just that I just like. Just because you have such reverence for the novel doesn't mean that it's flawless. But I felt yeah, that, like yes, Jeff, yes. Said, yes. Jeff said, <laughs> the narrative with Dracula is over. It's exactly. So an, an epilogue or a denouement afterwards would have felt unnecessary. Well, it's not yeah, much of a denouement like, in the novel. You, they just go outside and they're feel, like, ah, Quincy did die. Ah, oh, well. how, do, how do you feel and about Have you seen American Werewolf in London, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. There's no, no time. That mo- that movie immediately cuts the black. Yeah. I, I have to rewatch it now that now that you bring that up. I have to rewatch and see how I feel about that. Because uh, I remember when, when when I when I first saw American Werewolf in London. Uh, there was a lot of drinking involved. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> but, our uh, heavy period. Yeah, but like that 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 was like definitely one of my favorite horror movies. Uh, um, yeah. I just feel like yeah. contemporary movies in particular need to wrap things up in a way. And I'm just like, you, there's no more story to tell. The, this I, wrap up, this emotional wrap up just seems superfluous. Well, there really I will, wasn't I will, a lot in the novel. Yeah. I'm just saying like one extra cut back to them like, oh, thank God she's not dead in that castle. I will Something say you- though, and I think we may have slightly touched on this in different bits and pieces earlier. Mm. The original novel is from Harker's perspective talking about all of it it's his story about this whole experience this movie is told more from dracula's point of view and toward the end has more of a romeo and juliet feel than like it's it's the gothic horror romeo and juliet rather than you know this horror movie about everybody gangs up to kill the villain like he's he's the anti-hero that's why when as soon as he gets he asks her to kill him. Right. And after that happens, that's when the credits roll. Because we're supposed like, to sympathize with the devil on this one. Right. Which is why all I'm asking is take his name off of it. Right. We're going to do that. No. Right. Now, Mario Puzo was there to defend his novel's changes. Yeah. But. Therefore. But Bram Stoker, Stoker couldn't. Obviously. It's called artistic liberties. Well, man. yeah, well then put your own name on it. That's, that's another do all the time. You're just mad because that's they, another they story. Title. So that's why you're mad? Because the name was above the title. It always was. That's what I said to you when we first met. You gotta get over that. I kind of did, honestly. Until we brought it back up in this group therapy session. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Anywho, uh, so who I think, gives? I think it's pretty. I I'm giving it an A plus. I still okay. 
it's still my one of my favorite <clears throat> one of my favorite movies of the 90s i think it's my favorite uh, dracula adaptation even though you say it's not an adaptation they're all adaptations it's just sure. not 100 perfect i mean you can't say you flawless know. if there's flaws well no i'm not, I'm not again I'm not that married to the source material. So even if it's not married, it still it has is. flaws. Every movie does. Even my favorite. Not movie, to me. Even Jurassic Park has flaws. Maybe Keanu's acting is a couple is stiff a couple of times, but that's about it for me. But I can overlook that. It's kind of like I feel like when I watch also, also Glory and I'm like, oh yeah, Matthew, uh, Matthew Browder seems like he's out of his element. I'm like, Wait a second. His character is supposed to be out of his Also, should be noted, uh, any good horror movie worth its salt should have some degree of bad acting. Really? Yeah. I mean, you typically they're slasher movies, but like, a, like a good horror, there's gonna have like one or two people that like their 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 acting is kind of just bland. But really, it's like it's a horror movie. You're supposed to like whatever. <laughs> Everything. And sometimes, like them coming off, of, yeah, yeah. And sometimes them coming off as boring is like it's supposed to be intentional. They're supposed to be normal, everyday, humdrum people. So like them just being bland is kind of beneficial for the horror bit because you go from like humdrum nobody to like, oh, your life is being is being turned upside down right now, and you just might die. And if you survive, you're going to be traumatized for sure for the rest of your life. Right. If there were a car, Keanu's would not have started. <laughs> what a metaphor. What great I'm curious to hear what Jeff thought because uh, this is his first exposure to the movie. Uh, I mean, I'm going to give it a solid B plus because a lot of the story points were only understandable if you had read the source material and were a little bit convoluted, some of the transitions. So... Mm-hmm. You know, but other than that, it was a good movie. Yeah, I'd give it a, <laughs> the ending just like I don't know why, but like it, the, the ending kind of just soured me a bit. So I'm gonna give it an A minus. Ooh, A minus. A minus. I mean, it's still an A, but like, yeah, it's A minus. Okay. Now we get... I love the whole thing, like all, all the way up to the very end, and like I could overlook it, I could get get over it, but like I was just like, wow, yeah. that's just like, I, that, that like I I. I very rarely, I very rarely feel a little disappointed, let alone very disappointed with the uh, movie, especially when it comes to an ending. So, like, if I'm just a little disappointed, it's like, eh, okay, whatever. But yeah, a minus. Now we're gonna hear from the dissenter. I'm gonna move my grade up to a B minus. Still pretty good. Acceptable. So. Yeah, and I'm I'm saying it on the craft of the film. <laughs> And I think I'm a little biased about Winona. It's peak Winona right now. So Winona's great. I don't know why. We'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I was a little sour on Oldman's performance the first time, but I know what he's doing now. Having, you know, as he's being Gary out, Oldman. Yeah. I, I think I knew he, he was synced into what Coppola wanted. I was going to say, you're cool with this performance, but you're not cool with the one in Fifth Element because of like. I love Fifth Element. Okay. Yeah. He's very campy and everything, but I think right, everyone yeah, else yeah. in this film oh, didn't you, want to be campy. You don't I want him Richard to be Grant was. smiley from Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. No. You, you, you know what I remember from a kid about like uh, this movie? I'd never seen it as a kid, but I do remember from a, when I was a kid, like the adults in my childhood, their reaction to his performance. 
Why was that? Yeah, what do you mean? Oh, it was, it was I mean, you know, like, the, I guess it was positive in that, like, they were like, yeah, no, he's a creepy fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I will say. Right. I'll, I'll agree with you. Because, like, when, whenever, like, there would be a new movie out and, like, Gary Oldman's in it and he's playing, like, a villainous role, like, they were like, oh, yeah, no, he's perfect because of yeah. Dracula. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What were you going to say, Jeff? Oh, no, I was going to agree with you on Peak Winona because this is the first time, because any other movie I'd seen with her in it from around this era was directed by Tim Burton where she's basically like a talking doll and yeah. <laughs> so there was some actual acting in this one which was great yeah so another, <laughs> another movie came out this month about um subjugating women it was uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. it was called it was called <laughs> Jennifer 8 it's a serial killer movie I never knew what this was about. Oh, yeah. It's a serial killer movie with Jennifer Jason Lee and Andy uh, Garcia. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I know it's uh, the same director as um, The Stepfather and uh, The Good Son, so it makes me kind of interested to watch it. Hmm. Oh, so you didn't this time. You just... I, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we can skip over that. Um, right. uh, <laughs> Speaking of, speaking of people who uh, weren't given a chance until the 90s, um, Passenger 57 was probably the uh, the meteoric rise of Wesley Snipes into uh, leading man action roles. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody now knows him as Blade. But um, Passenger 57 is kind of, uh, it's almost like a diehard on a plane scenario. And it's him against uh, Bruce Payne, who plays this terrorist. The movie itself is very lean. I think it's like barely 80 minutes. And again, a movie like this doesn't need to be anything longer than that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And it has, <laughs> a, it has a very uh, iconic line that uh, people either think is way too cheesy or they applaud. He's got a, get, he's got a catchphrase where he says, always bet on black. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's from that? Yeah. Huh. Huh. I, uh, I've always wanted to see that movie. I think as I've grown to like him, I think that's at the top of my list for what I need to see, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah, because I think this was shortly after he was doing a lot of supporting roles, so this was like... Yeah. Well, we liked him in uh, King of New York. Right. Yeah, yeah, so this is a big breakout. That's where I was like, oh, I got to see some of this other early <laughs> snipes. I think uh, New Jack City was either before this or shortly after. It was in between King of New York and this, yeah. sometime in '91. So, are you saying you should scope out more Snipes movies? Okay. Like, like Snipes, snipers, snipers. Here we got it. Yeah, that was okay. bad. That was bad. And, uh, sniper, no sniping. <laughs> a frequent collaborator with uh, Wesley Snipes around that time was uh, Spike Lee, and he did his his big epic, which was Malcolm X. Yeah, this is the big one this month. Yeah, oh, uh, I meant to get to this by now, but just been busy moving. As you can see, we're in different places, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about Malcolm X. Uh, it's oh. a sprawling epic of a movie. The only downside to the movie is when Spike Lee inserts himself in a role with any a pretty bad actor. Um, I like him in uh, Do the Right Thing. What's he do in this? He's like. He's not Elijah Muhammad, but he's he's one of the uh, he's one of the Muslim Brotherhood, and he he's just kind of like a mouthpiece mm-hmm. on the stage whenever Malcolm X is doing speeches, and he's terrible. He's terrible. 
but Denzel gives a towering performance, obviously. Um, and the movie, I think it's like three and a half hours long, but it flies by because there's so much, uh, so much detail within the, that man's life that it chronicles a lot of it. It's a great yeah. movie. Have Have you guys seen it? No, I've not. Seen uh, it. High school. Okay. A long time ago. Do you remember it? Like, what do you think? But I rem- I remember I enjoyed it. I liked it. Okay. And yeah, we'll have to get it. I, I've wanted to see it for a long time, and it's just that length had always uh, yeah. stopped yeah. me. It's on Criterion now. Yeah, so I might get that. <clears throat> just um, try it. Another great performance that understandably probably got uh, neglected by the Academy because the subject material was uh, Bad Lieutenant. Um, Harvey Keitel plays this corrupt police officer who's uh, investigating this case of uh, a nun that got raped. And... Um, it's weird. Even with all the uh, the misdeeds and the uh, the peccadillas of his character, you start to uh, sympathize a bit with him. And speaking of, um, we were just talking about Abel Ferrara. Abel Ferrara directed this movie, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Harvey Keitel just completely strips himself of all vanity and clothes at one point. There's a full frontal scene with him, but um, it's just uh, it's a it's a great display of his acting prowess which we don't get too much of in later years because he's kind of uh, doing supporting roles yeah with this in uh, reservoir dogs last month he had a pretty good uh run right now yeah um a sequel that is beloved by me i'm sure you guys home alone 2 no no i'm not not a fan of the home alone movies i mentioned this when it came back, back in 1990 but i'm kind of bored with them wow yeah, I like Joe Pesci no. and Daniel Stern. I will give you that. They're funny. No, you don't like Macaulay Cole. He's obnoxious. You're un-American. I said this then. <laughs> no. He's the better once he becomes an adult. Macaulay Culkin's a national treasure, man. I don't think he's, he's yeah. never really that good. Kieran's the better Culkin. Wow. Hot yeah. take, hot take. I said this then, too. I'm surprised you don't remember. You didn't. I went back I'm and tired, I'm probably there. trying to block it out because it's yeah. so wrong. When I said it in November or December 1990, you guys didn't seem to notice or really care when I was like, not not a good movie. How does everybody else feel about this? Uh, Tristan's treasonous thoughts? I I understand. About what, Home Alone? Yeah, Home Alone Alone 2. I mean... It's not as good as the first one. It's obviously... I didn't see it until later in life, so I was like... I was more appreciative of like all of the other things that people criticize it for, like, you know, the fact that one guy could afford a vacation for, you know, <laughs> that many people to Paris and then all of the traps and stuff or just, you know, it was. I could appreciate the silliness of it. I don't consider it like a great movie. Um, I said it's great, but uh that Macaulay Culkin carries it with his charm, man. He does, and that's all he was known for for the rest of his life. Because now he's fine. just he's just this old. Not you know. a I, uh, pizza I party or whatever his band was called. Oh, uh, Pizza Underground. Pizza yeah. Underground, yeah. Because it was a Velvet Underground cover band, and I remember we, you were the one that told me about this. Yes, yeah, I forgot about it. Uh, we know a, a guy we went to high school with uh, got in a fist fight with him at a Pizza Underground show. Oh, yeah. That guy. <laughs> Yeah, legit. Yeah. Yeah, because the, he uh, he did. <laughs> well, obviously, because like I our, mean, Macaulay Culkin's a bean. 
Yeah, I was gonna say back then. Our friends also kind of skinny, so I don't know. Like a meth head back then. Yeah, yeah. I think they both probably just like slapped fighting, fought each other. You know. Yeah, I mean the thing that the thing that made that movie though was the soundtrack. Like that's what I feel like if it had a different like John Williams. If it yeah, if it had a soundtrack that was closer in tone to today's kids' movies that come out it wouldn't have been a classic like mm. that's that's what cements it because you have those cues like when he sees the old man and I, I there are all these little details that i didn't notice before um i can't remember what song it was it's but it was like weird film right exactly so like but Tristan. how much of that is the music versus like the charm of this kid trying to like you know i i don't know i i i like it but i saw it at the wrong time in my life to mm. like get the same vibe from it that a lot of people love about it i will give you that though the soundtrack uh is probably the best part of it now, one thing you yeah. cannot criticize the movie for is Catherine o'hare she's no yeah she's good in it. she's, she's yelling at everybody it's amazing yeah, i like her i like her in the first film as well actually yeah I was gonna say, she's the emotional heart of both yeah yeah i don't think i've seen two Dude, now that i think about it big budget remake of the first one set yeah new. how much I else bet. happens uh stuff happens the, the bird ladies in there i guess the bird lady and um duncan's toy chest okay hey yeah, tim, tim curry tim, tim curry hilarious. yeah i'll give you that i like tim curry yeah. in it he's funny you know i might actually like the second one better than the first and it's got <laughs> that's funny you just it. there's a former president in the movie i know oh yeah yeah i was trying to avoid going into this yeah that's all you have to mention. He was there. The TV cuts where he's out of it, though. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that's so bad. Well, that's probably the, the political rules. You can't have things like Fred Thompson while he was running, even though he was on Law and Order a lot. Well, it's funny because it's set in his hotel, so it's kind of hard to cut around. That part. Yeah. I mean, people should be able to separate the reality of this movie and the hotel he's in. All right. The front desk is this way and the capital is this way. Go storm um stalin came out <laughs> what a segue <laughs> <laughs> hey i figured one dictator for another oh my god but uh, good stalin luck, came out. it was actually i think it had a limited theatrical <laughs> run but it was mostly an hbo movie i remember having the watch is, yeah cool uh it's a it's a weird casting you got robert duvall under a lot of makeup to play <laughs> stalin um it's a it's a good movie but that makeup is distracting okay they couldn't have got anybody else that looked a little bit similar yeah um oh another class well uh, in my opinion it's an overrated movie but i can see why people like it the bodyguard came out oh oh yeah oh interesting uh, yeah well that iconic that i remember it was in development hell for a while Oh, really? There was a lot of different casting uh, choices made with this, but um, obviously the movie, the, the casting role that got the most attention at the time and still probably is the reason why most people like it is Whitney Houston. Sure, it's, she's peaking um, right before this. <clears throat> yeah, who's getting like a lot of death threats, so she has to hire a bodyguard played by uh, Kevin Costner. I like the idea of the movie. I've never seen it. Do you know who else was possibly cast in her role? 
Uh, I mean, because it was in development. I'll look it up. Because like, it was in development for like a decade or so. They probably got other pop really? singers from the time. Sure. Like if they did it in the 70s, it would probably be Dolly Parton. Yeah. Today would be Lady Gaga. Yeah, Lady Gaga would be it. Yeah. I'm actually surprised they haven't remade this. It seems I like they would, they would try to do a modern day remake of. I thought they wanted to. They probably did. Like Channing Tatum would be the bodyguard to that. I could see that. Well, Channing I feel Tatum like with, with certain certain like uh certain like movies that are like particularly uh romantic in a certain way, like they th- those things don't get remade. Like, uh, yeah, it's like it reminds me of Ghost in a way. Yeah, like Ghost doesn't get remade. Uh, Greece Greece has a sequel, but that doesn't have to get remade. It kind uh, of got remade. To uh, yeah, it has a sequel. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, mostly you get like remakes from like dramas or uh action heart like anything like you know that gets endless gets, love got a remake yeah anything that gets your heart pumping and you're like yeah. oh man that's so exciting you know Corey, some people must have agreed with you because it got nominations at the razzies for worst picture actor and actress it's it's very schmaltzy okay yeah they just don't like heart i guess yeah, uh, in terms of like those tearjerker romance like jimmy was saying ghost is way better Oh, hang on. So they did want to make, after the success of the film, they wanted to make a sequel and Costner contacted his longtime friend, Princess Diana. The first draft arrived the day before her death. Good Lord. So that's why they never- For those paparazzi. Yeah. Oh, and actually they do want to make a remake. First, they had a musical come out in London in 2012. And then they, just last September- it was reported that uh, someone named Matthew Lopez is writing a remake. Mm. So we'll see. Yeah, like J-Lo could be in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are we talking about? What's the name of the... The, the bodyguard. bodyguard. The body. Okay. Yeah. Oh, here we go. My, was... my brain skipped over that part. I thought we were still talking about Stalin. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in yeah, the they're world. remaking Stalin. They're remaking Stalin. <laughs> they've they've been stalling on it for a while. Oh boy. Oh fuck. <laughs> Apparently, the original cast was going to be Ryan O'Neill and Diana Ross. Oh my god! Can you imagine how bad that would have been? They don't list any other options, but that clearly so that clearly shows better development for a while. Yeah, that had to have been like either the late seventies or early eighties because Ryan was not doing well around the nineties. Seventy-eight, so like fourteen years at least. You know that would have made sense because that probably would have been around the time of Love Story, and he was kind of still a big deal back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> a movie that was very controversial at the time for its twist, and uh, actually is a really good movie, and I don't know if a lot of people talk about it anymore. Uh, the Crying Game. Came out this month. Oh, that one. No, no, I've seen it. I haven't seen it. I know the twist. I'm trying to. Think Everybody seems to know the twist without seeing the movie. Yeah, because of there was a robot chicken sketch about it. Yeah. 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 I've never seen the movie. It's, yeah. it's, I, I I went into the movie again knowing the twist, but it actually turns out to be a really great thriller about the IRA. Um, and it's a uh, Stephen Stephen Ray, mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't. Uh, sadly doesn't get a lot of work nowadays and he actually oh. kind of sabotages himself by being in a lot of schlock mm-hmm. but um he gives a really good performance uh the, 
See, I got to walk carefully around this. Jay Davidson is. Jay Davidson is in it. I don't want to say the wrong. Well, this was a time when this is what they said about it was a transgender woman. Right. So. But this is, well, that's the thing. It's all sort of given away already because that's the plot of the movie. I mean, the way. They, the way they, they, uh, they the way they reveal it is interesting. Uh huh. Does anybody know how they reveal it? I forget. Uh, Stephen Ray's like in his hotel room, he's sitting down, and um, Jay Davison comes over and just um, pulls down his pants, and there's just a flaccid penis in the frame, and you're like, oh, okay, that wasn't a woman, that was mm-hmm. a man. I might have seen that scene. Oh, have you? Might have been in film history. Probably. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Probably talking about twists. Yeah. Now the film is known for this. That's what a twist. You know, I heard of it as this is the transgender movie. Right. And so you don't really talk about it. I forgot or didn't know that it's about the troubles in Northern Ireland. Right, that's, yeah. that's what you're supposed to say about it. Right. So yeah, for some reason that twist like overshadowed all the other stuff in the movie. Right. Understandably, I guess. Uh, so that takes us to uh, Jeff's time to shine, Poster Boy. Oh, perfect. Poster Boy. Oh, hey right. Okay. Oh, right. Hello. Hello. Moving on. You ready, buddy? Yep. Come here a second. Yep. Hit me. We going full screen. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Now, do you know this right off the bat? Because this no. could be iconic. I, I genuinely I don't. I don't know. Okay, so describe what can, you see. Okay. The hands so I'm seeing it's a dark dark background with these glowing hands reaching out to something that possibly a fairy of some sort that's glowing. Um, hands seem to be holding something, possibly the title, possibly an artifact. Uh, <laughs> it was a Buena Vista Pictures distribution. Oh. So, oh, Do you know what that even means? It means that it could be, well i don't know if disney owned them at this point but mm-hmm. um, i wasn't sure if i should remove that or not it's a, it doesn't really change my objectivity i genuinely don't know uh the way that the fairy is shaped or smudged looks a little like a jellyfish I don't think that's move, move past that it is what moving mm-hmm. past that yeah that's okay. not a jellyfish <laughs> no okay going the wrong way a little okay. a little cold not as hot all what do you right. think is in that person's hands? In the person's hands, uh, magic lamp. Okay. Or an urn. Um, or quite possibly the soul of another. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you touched upon the correct thing. It's a magic lamp. Okay. Um, I don't remember if I show it next or have the catchphrase. All right. But that'll probably Things give it away. In the back. Let's see if I can actually move. There you go. Yeah, it's the th- it's the catchphrase next. Okay. So, All right. I feel like um, this is going to be. It's not that hard. It's not that deep. Is it? You might as well see. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Imagine if you had three wishes, three hopes, three dreams, and they could all come true. I want to say Aladdin. It's a it it's okay. It's Aladdin. Yeah. It's Aladdin. Oh, it's the Aladdin. <laughs> yeah, it's not that hard. The Aladdin. 
I wanted to see if I, well, I tried to make it as uh, deep in the as possible. So you yeah, no, I mean, lamp. it did, it did, de- it did definitely because the hands look live action. That's what threw me. Yeah, no, right. yeah. So. Why, why are the hands live? Like realistic <laughs> that's why Corey and i chose this poster because it, yeah. it throws you off just a little bit yeah so we were curious if you would know it right off the bat we were trying to get your uh muscle memory see so this wasn't really it, a if it had one. not been aladdin i would have said fern gully that's the smoke because of the shape yeah. of the smoke right and i didn't take too much out of it you see like i had to erase the name and yeah you know it's tough to make yeah. the words disappear and the, and the, yeah po- pointing out the Bu- buena vista didn't help either it's like it's like is it really well they did like they you- did own buena vista then or at least it was distributed by them at that point and they were about to own them that was yeah. how that works it's funny because that was a distributor for mostly like adult fare mm-hmm. or touch yeah. i guess was that touchstone was the adult yeah one. touchstone yeah, was the yeah, other yeah. one yeah, I don't know what Buena Vista really did. I never really paid attention to the distribution arms of stuff, especially from when I was a kid. Right. So, anyway, yeah, you get points for guessing Magic Lamp right off the bat because that could yeah, have been yeah, a yeah. light bulb. It could have been something coming from the sky because when it's blank, it looks like it's shining on the hands or whatever's in the person's hands rather than yeah. coming from his hands. So you, you did pretty well for what I wanted. you know. So this one's a little tougher. I don't know that you'll have known of this film. Okay. But why don't you describe this? All right. It's um, so it's a white background with some sort of classic 90s geometry behind it. <laughs> some dude standing in a denim shirt and a professor coat on the left side with a line of scantily clad women waiting to hang on to him. Um, and that's it. That's it. It's all Doesn't we got. give you much. See, it looks design-wise, it looks like the multiplicity poster, mm-hmm. but it's not that. I caught that when I was uh, editing. Yes. Uh, what Jim, would you call this? Jim's harem. I don't, <laughs> oh, yeah. Who do you think that guy is? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that last because that's I, the next picture. Yeah, I feel but like yeah, you can guess. I feel like the guy. I want to say Alex Winter. Oh, I was gonna. That's a good Chan- Chandler Bing. Um, uh, Matthew Perry, yeah, because yeah. right. the hair, Matthew Perry, yeah, or, that's it, I guess. Um, oh, damn it, who was the other Chris, Christian Slater? Maybe. Oh, you keep doing Slater. <laughs> no, it's not Christian, he Slater. was big in the 90s. So. Who, by the way, was uh, one of the first choices for Jonathan Harker, which would have had a Heather's reunion. Wow, yeah, I don't yeah. think I want to go to Transylvania. Do you think he would have <laughs> done a better London accent? I don't know. Anyway, about this film. This <laughs> film. This looks like some guy who, like, you know, accidentally won some. What is it? I don't know. A wish came true, and the Spice Girls are fawning over him or something. Uh, okay. Is that what um, you're guessing for the plot? I'm I'm guessing some guy. It's like Love Potion number nine or something. Holy shit! Hell yeah! How did you wait that? Wait, what? Wait, what? God <laughs> damn it. Holy shit. Okay, so I jumped ahead. As you soon as you said it, I'm like, oh. So do you know who starred in Love Potion number nine? Because we can at least. I want to say, who's points. the one that everybody hates? Not Pauly Shore. No. I thought it was Pauly Shore for a second. I mean, people don't think like this guy, but. Really? I thought uh, everyone liked him fine. Patrick Swayze, David like Duchovny. Um, who's the one in Bones? Can't remember his name. David Boreanaz. That's the no. one. He wasn't around yet. Yeah. Few more I don't years. know. 
Richard Tate, Gere. Tate Donovan. What? Yeah. You know who Tate Donovan is, first of all. Yeah. Have you ever heard of him? Uh, I have heard of him. I wouldn't be able to place his face he with his Disney. name. He's the voice of Hercules. That's the only okay. thing you know him from, really. So, yeah, really that and this. Uh, he's in a bunch of stuff, but never a lead other than this or Hercules. <clears throat> yeah. So not, you know, memorably. But who's anymore. its co-star that he dated at the time? Yeah, because their name is off of this. And she's not even on the poster. But don't look it up. Is he cheating? I don't know. I'm not looking up anything. I'm. I had a text. Uh huh. We put our phones on the table during this segment, Jeff. You might okay. get some points taken away. <laughs> no. yeah. The end of the year. I swear to God, I genuinely that was a guess. All right, hand me your phone. But it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So yeah, we were asking uh, who his co-star in this is. We dated in real life. The love interest. Mm-hmm. Oh my Name god! Isn't I've... there? She's not on the poster. Alicia Silverstone. No, she's not on the poster. Then I, I have no idea. Okay, <laughs> I'm not even going to venture a guess because I. We're not going to do, right? do a speed test on. This. I don't. I don't do those. Uh, uh-huh. Oh wait, Sandra Bullock. Yeah, I was worried you wouldn't get it while you were sleeping there. Okay. Okay. All right. Anyway, what would go you... take a visit to your lake house while you think about so. It? There's congeniality um, over here. So I don't think you saw the uh, tagline. What would you use for a tagline for Love Potion number nine? Uh, Just some bonus uh, points. So imagine if. Okay. <laughs> this is the In a world where <laughs> yeah. you could buy love off the shelf. Oh, that's not bad. In a world. In a world. Before there was the internet. Imagine if sex appeal came in a bottle. Ah. Hashtag nine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, could you imagine kids like like generations from now reading things like instead of like number like what's the significance of nine? They already do. Why are they hashtagging? Why is it love potion nine? (laughs) Love potion number twenty three. Like I I hit love potion hashtag nine in Google and like I didn't really get a whole lot. What what what's what's this? What what is this thing? Was this a trend back in the nineties? Anyway. Uh, for our picks of the month, I was curious, giving it, given it is an ensemble picture, and we've actually never covered any of these people. We could go with Gary Oldman, given he's the titular character. We could go with Winona Ryder, because she's my favorite actress. Uh, we could go with Keanu Reeves. All of them had downswings in their careers. Yeah, we could do Coppola, because I don't know that we'll ever get him again. He pretty much just has Jack. We're going to talk about Jack? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so like yeah, do you feel that? Easy. I feel like Coppola would be way too easy. Everybody would be saying either the Godfather. Yeah, there's not a lot in his. I've actually no, not seen that many Coppola stuff things. So yeah, I, I mean, I've seen this, The Outsiders, Apocalypse Now, and the two Godfather films. I, I think, haven't seen the third. I think Winona Ryder would be a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that we'll have her in anything after this. She's in pretty mm. high profile things, like. like Age of Little Women, Age of Innocence. Um, I think we already did Age of Innocence, so it doesn't even count. Yeah. Um, Alien Resurrection. Oh, um, 
Oh, mine's there's, obvious. There's not much else in the 90s, so. <clears throat> Are we doing Winona? Because I already got mine queued up. It's easy. Why not? It's easy. Maybe, maybe off camera, I'll ask you guys uh, what you think, like what your Gary Oldman or Keanu would be. My, uh, so we're not clogging the actual episode. I, mine's obvious. It's it's my uh, my email address. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Heather's. Yeah, you can have that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good choice. What about you, Jimmy? Do you have a choice? Uh, I was going to go with Alien Resurrection, but like oh, as soon as you, as soon as you said it, I'm like I had to stop and think like are there other movies like are there movies I'm forgetting? Well, so after this, have- other than this in the 90s, after this there's How to Make an American Quilt, Boys, The Crucible, and then Girl Interrupted is how she ends the 90s. So I don't think we'll actually yeah. cover her again. No. Just so you all know. Yeah. Not good movies. They're fine. Let's take a look. I like her because I just like her, but what she's got. We know that. I'm gonna go with. Oh no, is Jimmy still picking? You go. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm gonna figure. I'm I'm gonna be looking for Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, I knew you 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 had to go with Edward. Was either that or uh, Mr. D? That that other Tim Burton movie, Beetlejuice. Yes. Say it two more times. Beetlejuice. Good. We were Beetlejuice. all Beetlejuice. Oh, no. <laughs> nice fucking model. I, we were trying to get a guest on here, but imagine if Michael Keaton popped up in our Zoom right now. Oh yeah. The hell do you want? Why people keep conjuring me? That was a good answer. So if you're still thinking, Jimmy, oh, or, or yeah. were you going with Alien Resurrection? Yeah, I might as well because I got like I don't like. For some reason, I don't feel I don't feel like going through IMDb right now and like trying to go through all those like goddamn like. Honestly, given that she's uh, my favorite actress, you touched upon three of my other favorites of hers because Alien Resurrection is actually the first thing I saw her in. Uh, Heather's is probably my favorite, but obviously you take precedent in that given it's your screen name, and Edward Scissorhands might be your best performance. So what I'll go with is her comeback film, which started her rise back towards say stranger things which is her supporting performance in black swan which yeah. i think is an underrated notice because everyone focuses on mila kunis in that and of course natalie God, Portman winning the oscar but that movie doesn't work perfectly if they don't have the older version of both of them oh so. you're saying that movie works no oh, boy here we go once we get to the undiscovered tens we'll we'll hash this out Corey. Cool. i love black swan I think it's, I think it's one of Natalie's best too. Talk about campy. Yeah, we will at some point. Eight years from now. Anyway, Thanks. that's all good choices. Um, I love her. She's my favorite actress. She can do no wrong, even this film. So, uh, thank you for uh, helping Corey and I move through therapy on our uh, disagreement over a film yeah. for the course of our friendship uh next month we're gonna go to one of our favorite actors and see a possibly dramatic performance from him but i think it's still a little comedic it's comedic okay yeah it's uh eddie murphy's the distinguished gentleman which is a take on mr smith goes to washington yeah so uh, underrated movie yeah it's not one people talk about they go back and talk about something like boomerang or one of his bigger films like uh yeah you know beverly hills cop 
yeah. his stand-up stuff, all his '80s movies more than his '90s. So we're gonna we're gonna focus on how he uh, started this decade. So join us next month and shortly after that for the best of '92. So. Thanks again. Wow.